So we are continuing our series this Lent called Meeting Jesus, where we are focusing on different ways people in the Bible came to meet Jesus. And then we see something unique about each person's encounter. You know, what do we learn about Jesus from each meeting? Now imagine what it would be like interacting with Jesus like we interact with each other. Where would you imagine meeting Jesus? And what would that be like? And what would you talk to him about? Some of our expectations about him would be met, and I bet there would be some things about him that would surprise us. In this series, we've looked at encounters Jesus had with John the Baptist and Nicodemus and the woman caught in adultery and the ten lepers. And as we looked at these encounters, we asked ourselves, well, what do you learn about Jesus from these encounters? The scripture for this morning is Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. Uh, You can turn there in your Bibles. The Gospel of Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, then Luke. Uh, You can also look up Luke 9 on your phones. Uh, This is an encounter between Jesus and three would-be followers, three who wanted to be disciples of Jesus. Now, if it was me and three people were like, hey, we want to... Uh, follow you and be a part of what you're about. My response would be, yeah, that's great, let's go. That's not Jesus's response. He challenges each of them. And in these brief exchanges, we learn something about Jesus. Our scripture reader for this morning is Andy Keevan. So Andy, please make your way on up the podium. And as he does so, I'm gonna ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, We read from the center of the room. Uh, because scripture is central to us. It is the primary lens in which we uh, live out our faith and lives. And we stand because we believe this is the word of God. And so Andy, whenever you are ready, please read from Luke 9, verses 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Andy, thank you very much. You may be seated. To say that as a society, we are all about efficiency and convenience, that's really not a scoop. We know that. We are always trying to make things simpler for us. You know, like with our phones, landline phones limited us to a specific location in order to make or receive a call. With cell phones, we make and receive a call from almost anywhere. Now, uh, oh, and you don't even need to know phone numbers anymore. Uh, how many of you own a smartwatch? Got smartwatch people here? Just raise your hand. It's okay. Um, smartwatches make it so you don't even have to check your phone. Uh, as long as you're within a certain distance of your phone, your watch can do what your phone can do, make and receive calls, texts, and emails. And so it takes away the need 
for you to always have your phone on you, and it makes using all of that easier because if you get a text or something on your watch, you can just do this. You don't have to go grab your phone and take a look. You can just take a quick glance at your wrist, and you know exactly what you need to do. Um, it is so easy. It is so easy. Um, fast food has always been about convenience. Originally, you would just walk into a fast food place, order, and then in like five, ten minutes, have all your food. And then we realized that walking in and ordering and walking out, that's a lot of work. And so we invented the drive-through, where we can order and pay and get our food without ever getting out of the car. Um, now we can also order online. We can also call in our orders, but who really wants to talk to people? Okay, you can just order online, and that limits your weight when you get to the restaurant. Um, and even going to restaurants apparently is a lot of work because we have things like DoorDash and Uber Eats. So we can now order um, and they will pick up our food for us and bring it to us in our homes. And so we can get all the benefits of fast food without ever leaving our home. It's easy. We want to communicate with as little effort on our part as possible. We want to eat with as little effort on our part as possible. And it is easy for us to treat faith the same way. We want to have a dynamic faith in Jesus with as little effort on our part as possible. Now what we learn about these meetings with three would-be followers is that Jesus is committed to the kingdom of God. He's not that committed to fulfilling our dreams. He's not that committed to our comfort. He's not that committed to our calendars. Jesus is committed to the kingdom of God. The major theme of Jesus' preaching was the kingdom of God has come near. It's what most of his parables are about. And what is the kingdom of God? Well, a very simple explanation of it is the kingdom of God is where God reigns and where the reign of God is submitted to. It is where God's will is done. That's what it means for God to reign, for his will to be followed. Uh, it's sort of like how that prayer goes that we all know. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And that's what Jesus was all about, following the will of God. And if killing our dreams furthers the kingdom, Jesus is okay with that. If taking away our comfort furthers the kingdom, Jesus is okay with that. If turning our calendars upside down furthers the kingdom, Jesus is okay with that. Now, Jesus is gracious and loving, and he will make sure that our needs are met. He does want us to come to him with our concerns, so keep praying about those things. But just understand that Jesus is all about the kingdom, and he calls us to be more about the kingdom too. To be faithful followers of Jesus means being committed to the kingdom of God. If Jesus is committed to the kingdom, then surely his followers will be. 
And if we are followers of Jesus, and we don't think much about the kingdom of God, or we don't care much about the kingdom of God, well, then we're doing it wrong. Jesus is committed to the kingdom. And it will take more than a little effort on our part to follow Jesus in his commitment to the kingdom. Because Jesus is committed to the kingdom, there are a few things we learn about following him. Jesus is committed to the kingdom. So, when it comes to comfort, we are called to be ready to sacrifice it. Sacrifice our comfort, be ready to do that. Going back to the passage, verses 57 and 58, where it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. A man comes up and makes a verbal commitment to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, hey, I don't have any place to lay my head. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus has no place to sleep. He finds places to sleep, okay? Uh, Jesus just doesn't have a home in this world. And followers of Jesus shouldn't be looking for their home in this world either. Home is where we find comfort and safety. Home gives us a sense of peace. Home is a place where we are welcomed and belonged, a place where we can lay down roots. It even can shape our identity. Think about how the neighborhood you live in kind of shapes how you view yourself. Now, Jesus had a place where he grew up, Nazareth. People knew where he came from. Yet, it wasn't his place of comfort or security or peace or where he felt that that's where he needed to be welcomed or roots or identity. As Jesus told Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. And when Jesus said that he had no place to lay his head, that was true for him from the day he was born. We know the Christmas story. Most of us have some kind of manger scenes that we put up. Mary and Joseph make it to Bethlehem, and then this happens in Luke 2. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus was placed in a manger because there wasn't anywhere else to, for him to go. And sometimes we miss the obvious. A key part of the Christmas story is there is no room for Jesus. So if Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head when he was born, and then during his ministry says he doesn't have a place to lay his head, then we shouldn't expect to have all of the comforts of home, which is what Jesus is telling this man. If we are going to follow Jesus, there are comforts this world has to offer that we need to be ready to sacrifice, and we will have to sacrifice. Comforts of leisure, ease, familiarity, family, friends. Some of the comforts that these things give us will need to be sacrificed. Jesus is committed to the kingdom, so there are times when we are called to sacrifice our comforts. Jesus is committed to the kingdom, so we sacrifice comfort and we elevate our concern for the kingdom. We need to elevate our concern. 
Jesus cares about the kingdom. It's number one on his list of priorities. That demands for it to become a higher priority for us. Going back to the passage, verses 59 and 60. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This man wants to go bury his father. And Jesus gives a harsh response. In our culture, the death of a parent is a huge loss. It's a big deal when a close family member dies. And we will quickly give the time and space that people need to grieve. We will give it to them. And Jesus says to this man, let the dead bury the dead. Go proclaim the kingdom. It's harsh. But behind the harshness of it, there's a greater point that Jesus makes. You see, in Jesus' time, the Jews considered proper burial to be most important. Now, the Jews took faith very, very seriously, so much so it got them in trouble with the Romans. But while they took their faith very seriously, proper burial was more important to them than study of the law, serving in the temple, killing the Passover sacrifice, or circumcision. Jesus is saying that serving in the kingdom of God is different. It's different than other aspects of faith. While burial may be more important than some of those other things, it is not more important than the kingdom of God. Jesus began that interaction with calling out to the man, follow me. And that's when the man brought up burying his father. Well, Jesus issued that same follow me challenge to Peter and Andrew. And when Jesus issued that same follow me challenge to Peter and Andrew, he got a different response. Going to Matthew 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once they left their nets. That's the response he's looking for. For Jesus, there is nothing more important than the kingdom. And he wants that to be true of his followers. And that's the point to this man. The kingdom takes precedent over everything. If our careers, if our businesses, if our families, if our friendships, or anything else needs to take a hit because of the kingdom, Jesus says, so be it. It's harsh. Jesus is committed to the kingdom. He expects our concern about it to be elevated. He demands it to become a higher priority for us. So Jesus is committed to the kingdom of God. We sacrifice comfort, we elevate our concern, and we embrace our conviction about it. We embrace our conviction. 
Going back to the passage one last time, verses 61 and 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. A man wants to go back and say goodbye to his family. And Jesus compares that to looking back when your hand is at the plow. Now, when you plow or maybe mow the lawn, you need to be looking at what is ahead of you, not at what is behind you. Now, interestingly enough, there is a passage in the Old Testament where there is someone plowing a field. And they are called, while they are plowing a field, to a life of discipleship, to follow someone. And when they are called to do that, this person asks, can I go back and say goodbye to my family? There's a story in the Old Testament that has all of those elements. Some of you know the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and God tells Elijah to anoint Elisha as his successor. And so Elijah calls Elisha to this role by throwing a cloak over him as he's plowing a field. And this is Elisha's response, 1 Kings 19. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? And so Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. It's almost the same story. Elisha asks to say goodbye to his family, and Elijah lets him. So it's okay for Elisha to say goodbye to family before following Elijah, but it's not okay for this man to do that before following Jesus. Well, two thoughts. First, the call of Jesus is more important, is even more important than the call of Elijah. Second, I would point out, look at what Elisha does. He kills the oxen. He burns the plowing equipment to cook the meat and then gives all the meat to the people. And then he goes and follows Elijah. When he decides to follow Elijah, he makes it impossible to go back. He cannot change his mind. The oxen are dead and the equipment is burned. There is no turning back, which is exactly what Jesus is asking from this man. There will be times when we question our faith, when we're not sure about following Jesus or not really into being a part of or building the kingdom of God. And it's okay to have questions about the faith and it's okay to have times when we question our faith. But questioning our faith is not the same thing as quitting. It's okay to have questions. Just don't quit. 
Asking questions is a great way to continue in the faith in our moments of doubt. And there will be times when we have questions and moments of doubt. That's okay. Jesus just doesn't want us to quit. We are called to persevere. If we only move forward in our faith, when we have all the answers, we are never going to move forward in our faith. It just isn't going to happen. It's not how it works. Jesus is committed to the kingdom, and we are called to embrace our conviction. And the good news is that the kingdom of God is worth the sacrifice, the concern, the conviction. Jesus said, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's a really small seed, but it becomes the largest of the garden plants. For 2,000 years, the kingdom of God has been transforming lives. When Jesus rose from the dead, he had around 100 disciples. Today, there are over 2 billion people who proclaim faith in Christ. There is nothing else like it in the history of the world. When we follow Jesus and submit to God's will and reign, our lives will never, ever be the same. And when we commit to the kingdom of God, the impact that we can make on our family and friends and community and world goes way beyond what we will ever know. When we place our faith in Jesus, give our lives to the kingdom of God, his will and his reign, there is no greater purpose that our lives could fulfill. Please pray with me. And Lord, I would ask that you would soften our hearts. Lord, encourage us to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed. Lord, put your kingdom more on our radar each day. And Lord, I would ask that you would give each of us the strength to live on our faith with conviction. We thank you for your love and goodness to us. We thank you for how you have transformed our lives in your kingdom. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.